dear brothers and sisters, happy solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. Uh, the Church, I was talking to someone recently about this idea, that uh, in the Church we love celebrating. I think it's something we need to kind of emphasise a little more. You know, our church is full of joy. Our church is full of resurrection. Our church is full of alleluias. Our church is full of, of celebration and anticipation for the greatest celebration, which is, of course, heaven, the wedding feast of the Lamb, this heavenly banquet. So our church is always looking for a reason to celebrate. We need to mention that a little more. Because I think the perception out there is that our church is full of thou shalt nots and self-flagellation and briars and brambles and misfortune and Schellig Michael. Uh, but there's a little more to it than that, right? Our church is full of joy. Our church is full of joy. So we're looking for reasons to celebrate, and rightly so, because there's an awful lot to celebrate. There is an awful lot to celebrate in our church. Remember, we are redeemed, remember that? Remember the whole passionate resurrection of Jesus thing? Like, we're, 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 we're redeemed. That The Lord has paid our debt. All the grace necessary for us is available there. We just have to tap into it. But the grace is all there. So everything that God needed to do has been done. The rest is now up to us. The, 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 the grace has been earned for us. Now we just have to avail of it, access it. Okay. Uh, in our spiritual life, or sorry, in our ordinary lives, we can experience fairly easily uh, jealousy, maybe even envy, where we see someone who looks the way we'd love to look. We see someone who has the stuff we'd love, the life we'd like to have, the education that we'd like to have. They live in the place that we'd love to live. They drive the car that we've always wanted. They, they live in the perfect house that we've always wanted. Um, I might have mentioned this before, but when I was younger, my, my mom would get the occasional uh, Hello magazine Right, with all the glossy pages and it would show the lives of the rich and the famous and where they lived in their, their beautiful houses and all the rest. Look at that, look at that, the pool, that's lovely, that, look at that. And she'd be delighted with herself, she'd be flicking through all these uh, stars and you know, the, the cast of Dallas or Knott's Landing or wherever they ended up and, and all the rest and the various royal family members and so on, all grand. And you can look at this, and that's been probably substituted by, by Facebook these days, something similar where you see the people's perfect lives and people's perfect fitness regimes and their perfect bodies and their perfect hair and their perfect lips and perfect eyes and perfect car and perfect whatever it is. Okay, and all of that. And there's this idea or this temptation to be somewhat jealous. Or as we mentioned before, the, the difference between jealousy and envy, where jealousy can be, be positive in the sense that I can look at what someone else has, I want it, but I'm willing to work for it. So I see that you know, they've done really well academically or in their career. I see that. I'd love to have that. And because of that, I feel motivated to study harder. Okay, that's a good kind of a jealousy. Uh, but envy is when I look at what someone else has and says, I don't want them to have it. I say, I don't want them to have it. I say, I'm not being inspired to work harder or, or do anything. I just want to pull them down. That's envy. Very, very different. So in our, in our lives, these things, we can be susceptible to to, to jealousy or, or to envy. You know, we, we're constantly interacting with people or we see people on TV or on social media and there can be this desire to have what they have. And then when we think of spiritual things, we think of some of the saints and we look at their lives, we look at their sanctity and we, it, it, it can very easily happen that we think, well, like, it was easy for them. They were a saint. Do you know, of course Padre Pio was holy. He had the stigmata kind of goes the other way around actually he was holy first then he got the stigmata 
But like, you know, I mean, of course these people could work miracles. I mean, they were saints. Yeah, yeah. How did they become saints? They became saints by getting the ordinary, everyday things right. They prayed when they were called to pray. And some. They served when they were called to serve. They loved when they were called to love. They loved amidst adversity. So when we think of Our Lady, think of Our Lady in particular today now on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, she's preserved from all stain of original sin. So she's conceived immaculately. So all of us are conceived and have the effects of original sin. Okay? Our Lady doesn't or didn't. So she was born without original sin on her soul. And then we go, ha, there you are. Voila, she's got a head start. So of course she's a saint and holy and statues of her all over the place. So she had this head start, you know what I mean? Like she, had, she didn't have to fight through all this original sin muck that we did. Easy for her. Right? But that's not exactly the case. Because it's one thing to receive grace and it's another thing to be faithful to that grace. It's one thing to receive grace and to be so faithful to that grace that God can give you more. He can entrust you with more. So Our Lady receives this, this grace, but she collaborates perfectly with it. Do you know what I mean? She had to contemplate things in her heart when Jesus would stay on the temple, you know, at the Passover feast, and she asks Jesus, well, why did you do this to us? Your father and I have been looking for you. And he, well, do you not know most about my father's business? You know, and she contemplates these things in her heart. So she didn't understand everything. She still had to work with God's grace. Now, uh, it is a theological question. Could Our Lady have sinned? Look, I mean, could you jump off a cliff? I suppose you could. Why would you want to? You know, could Our Lady have sinned? She, I actually don't know the answer. I don't know the theological answer. Is there a theological answer? I think, I think she, why would she want to? You know, she, she never, you see, the, the idea of sinning is that we do something that God doesn't want because we think it'll make lives better. We think it'll make our, us happier. We think we'll get something better for it. Why would Our Lady do any of that? Our Lady had no intention of sinning. She didn't need to sin. She had nothing to gain by sinning. So she worked, she collaborated with that grace from the beginning right up until our present day in heaven, interceding for us, praying for us from heaven, working, collaborating perfectly with God's grace. And that's, I think, something that we can learn from Our Lady. Otherwise, as I say, we make her into something that's, she's such a distant character, so kind of, so holy, but so remote, so different, distant from our experience of life, that then she's not really a model. I can't imitate that because we have completely different starting points. No, Our Lady was faithful in the ordinary things of the day. Keep in mind Nazareth, right? Nazareth, 30 years of hidden ordinary, faithful, and prayerful service. She didn't write any books. She never went on any mission trips. Never did anything out of the ordinary at all. Thirty years of hiddenness in Nazareth. Just fidelity to the ordinary things. And we have statues of her in probably every Catholic church in the world, apart from maybe anything built in the last 10 or 15 years. We'll talk about that some other time. Uh, but Our Lady, like she, and rightfully so, she should be here. She's the mother of the church. And hopefully, in, if anybody's been doing a Marian consecration in these last 
couple of days or, or weeks, we've discovered that not only is she mother of the church, but that she's my mother, my personal mother, given to me by Jesus on the cross. Behold your mother, he says to John, who represents the whole church. So, Our Lady, we, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't see, even though these graces are spectacular, we shouldn't see them as, as graces that then separate her from us in a way that we could never imitate her. We can. She did receive this very particular grace of being preserved from all sin of original sin. Why? So that Jesus could be born into the holiest, most sacred, most pure of bodies. It also shows how, how God the Father, in his design, in his plan, he wants humanity to work with him in the story of redemption. Like, God doesn't have anything to prove to anybody. Do you know I mean? Have you, have you ever played with a, you know, a bunch of three or four-year-olds, and because you're an adult, like, obviously you're much bigger than them and much stronger than them, do you feel you have to prove yourself to them? Do you, have to, do you feel you have to like pick a child up you know, by, the, by the, the, the back of his jumper and lift him off the ground and go, yeah, look at this, I'm so strong, I can do two, yeah. Would you feel you have to do that around three-year-olds? Do you have to prove yourself that you have to prove that you're bigger? That's ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? Do you have to prove to your dog or to your cat or to your fish that you're smart? How insecure would you be if, I, if you felt you had to prove yourself to your, to your dog or to your pet? God doesn't have to prove himself to you. He doesn't have to prove anything to us. He's divine. We are merely human, right? He doesn't have to prove a single thing to us. So he's not doing this as some sort of a, a boast. Even the whole plan of redemption, saving us from the cross. He's not doing that to, to boast, look how powerful I am. So he wants us to be part of that, part of that, of that plan of salvation, he wants Our Lady to be part of that plan of salvation. So he, he associates her in a most intimate way with that plan of redemption. Our Lady who suffers with him on the cross. Jesus on the cross, Our Lady sharing in those sufferings in her heart. Not because, you know, like St. Paul says, I make up for my body that which is, and make up, in my, make up in my body that which is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the sake of his church. There's nothing lacking in the sufferings of Christ. But St. Paul writes that. Why? Because we're still, as a church, associated with that work of redemption. So was Our Lady, in the most explicit way, or in the most intimate way. And so all of this is prepared by her being immaculately conceived. She receives this grace, and then she works perfectly with that grace all throughout her life. So much so that her heart, which is still a human heart, was able to expand and grow. The depths of her love were able to grow deeper and deeper. Her vocation, if you will, was able to expand throughout her life until she becomes mother of the Universal Church. So I remember seeing a movie years ago. I can't remember what it was called. It was one of these movies of, of a, uh, an African-American teacher in uh, the, the projects in some, in some city in the States. And... So there are lots of students here and lots of crime problems and addiction and delinquency and so on. <clears throat> school violence. So this principal wants to redesign the school, remake the school. So he makes them all, he gives them all a school, well, they all have to wear a school uniform. Blazers and trousers. And if the name comes to you, it's not the one with Will Smith. There's another one. Um, so he gives them a proper school uniform 
and then they do their various tests and he deliberately marks them very high. Right, so then you've got a student who, I mean, he did fairly well, but he, he marked him high and gave him an A. And a student comes up and says, sir, I've never gotten an A before. And he said, it's not that hard to get an A. It's hard to keep an A. Keep studying. Keep it up throughout the year. You know, then you'll get your grades or you'll get your whatever, whatever the, the goal was at the end of the year. Keep it. This reminds me of Our Lady, you know, preserve from all sin of original sin, but then keeps that A, keeps that perfection, works perfectly with God's plan. So apply all this very quickly to us. You and I have not been preserved from all sin of original sin, nope. But we go to confession, and after that we have a pure heart. So then the question is, do I then, with that pure heart, collaborate with God's grace? Do I work perfectly? Do I try to work with, with his grace and in order to maintain my heart? Do I, do I, I've received this A. Do I want to maintain, keep that A for as long as I can with his grace? Our Lady carried Jesus in her virginal womb, in her, in her person, preserved from all sin of original sin. I carry Jesus in me after receiving Holy Communion. Do I wish to do so with the same purity and love as our Blessed Lady did? These are things that we can learn from her. These are things that we can imitate. So we thank the Lord for the gift of our Queen and our Mother, for the gift of our Blessed Lady. We thank him for the gift of her heart, the gift of her purity, and the fact that despite being preserved from all sin original sin in a way that we are not she still is an incredible example to each one of us of fidelity and of purity of prayer of hiddenness of co-redemption of collaboration with God's plan of redemption so may each one of us recognize in her our queen and our mother may each one of us imitate her and may each one of us following her footsteps Find the heart of her son. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters, this is Father Patrick Cahill here from Holy Family Mission just to announce to you our Christmas appeal for 2023. The Lord has blessed us in so many ways since we opened our doors back in 2016 with over 90 young people availing of our faith formation program here since we started then. It's been an absolute gift to walk with them, to see their faith blossom and grow and then of course to see what they went on to do after they left here. So we've been blessed with many young people who have passed through our doors also as retreatants, uh, school retreats and uh, retreats then for various groups that have come through here. We've been uh, gifted by the opportunity to walk with each one of them. If you'd like to support our ministry and our mission, please feel free to do so this Christmas. We are always in need of funding so that we can keep this mission going. The easiest way to do so is through our website, holyfamilymission.ie. You can also call the office uh, there and we'll enter all of the donations into a draw, uh, which will take place on the 18th of December, uh, with the opportunity to win a pilgrimage to Medjugorje, hampers and lots, lots more. So please uh, feel free to support our ministry and our mission here in Holy Family Mission for the renewal of the faith in Ireland and indeed abroad. God bless you and Merry Christmas.